From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by Bitrise, where you can build and operate better apps faster. One of the things I wanted to talk to you today about Bitrise was a couple of the coolest features that they have. And we're going to start off with some, something known as effortless code signing. And what that allows you to do is sign your, your Android app effortlessly. That means is you can upload your release key store file and add an Android signing step to your workflow and you're done. And basically what that allows you to do is build and sign your application from Bitrise itself, which is really cool. Now, another feature that's really awesome is unlimited UI tests for free. Bitrise behind the scenes integrates fully with Firebase's uh, test lab virtual device testing solution. So with one click, you can basically set up a UI test quickly and reliably. You can test it you can check the test output, which is going to be the, of course, the console, the video screenshots, logs, etc., right there on your builds page. Now, also related to testing is the UI and unit test on one page. So you can you can view the UI and unit test results conveniently on the test report page. Now, having all those tests put together makes it easily super easy actually to quickly analyze your app and identify any of the bugs you have. Now, lastly, of course, one of the last things I wanted to bring up here that's cool about Bitrise is the number of integrations they have is quite uh, quite amazing. There are over 240 integrations to cover all your Android app needs. You can add them as each individual steps inside of your workflow. So if, you're, if you have something that you want to integrate with, it's probably highly likely that Bitrises has an integration for them. So if Bitrise is something you're interested in, it's something you would like to kind of get started with, you want to go ahead and check it out. Again, with Bitrise, you can go ahead and build and operate and build better apps faster. If you're interested, you can learn more at go.bitrise.io slash fragmented. Again, that's go.bitrise.io slash fragmented. On today's episode, we're going to talk about something that's probably a little controversial to some people. And that's Kotlin's not null assertion operator, also known as the bang bang or double bang operator. If you still don't know what I'm talking about, this is the operator that's two exclamation points that you place after a call in some type of object graph where you want to say that, hey Kotlin, I know that you're not gonna compile because this is a nullable type, and I'm trying to access something off the nullable type. Therefore, you're basically giving me a compiler warning and an error saying that, you know, you have to do something because this is a nullable type. And I'm positive that I know what I'm doing, so I'm just gonna use this, you know, double exclamation, which is the not null assertion operator, bang, bang, right here to verify that, you know, that the customer's first name is going to be there. I know it's going to be there. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Now, my opinion here is that this is a code smell. And there's a reason why that this is a code smell, because one of the things that Kotlin does is it helps, you know, it doesn't insulate you from null pointer exceptions, but what it does do is it requires you to evaluate each and every single instance in which you may encounter a null pointer exception. And the documentation for the, basically the not null assertion operator has a very 
clever and I like the sentence. It says, if you want an NPE, which is null pointer exception, so if you want a null pointer exception, you can have it, but you have to ask for it explicitly. And it doesn't appear out of the blue. Basically what this is saying is, look, Kotlin's gonna do its best to prevent you from getting null pointer exceptions, but if you have a nullable type, you basically have to tell Kotlin like, look, um, if you're gonna give me a null pointer exception, just throw it at me right here. And so that's kind of the big misconception a lot of people have around Kotlin is that, oh, it won't let you have nulls and you can't have, you know, you're not gonna get null pointer exceptions. That's completely false. You can totally get null pointer exceptions um, through various ways, such as using the non-null assertion operator, but there's other ways you can get it too. Perhaps you're using a deserialization library that perhaps just doesn't set the value. And when it's accessed, it throws a basically, you know, a Kotlin null pointer exception. There's a couple other different ways you can encounter these things, but um, the one I like to focus on today is the not null assertion operator, so the bang bang. Now, the reason why I feel that this is a basically kind of a code smell is because if this is inside of your production code, you're basically re retorting back to behavior that's very similar to that of Java. And if you have a, a string in Java, it could just, it could be null. And if you try to access the length property on that string, it could blow up on you and say, this is a null pointer exception. And now you have a crash in your application, which can be, you know, a real, you know, real bummer, especially if it's in production. Um, now, let's kind of get back to the situation of, of you have maybe a nullable string in Kotlin and you want to get the length of it uh, and you use bang, bang. And you say, all right, well, I expect that this string is not going to be null and it's going to, you know, I want to get the length of it for whatever reason. Maybe it's the customer's last name. You expect that the last name is greater than two characters uh, for whatever reason. And you want to go ahead and check that, but it's, it's, it's nullable for whatever reason. Um, at that point, instead of your code, if you have to access that, and you are requiring the length to be there, well then there should be some other checks that are before that to check, hey, is this type not null? Um, so then the compiler can kind of smartly realize, hey, they've already checked to make sure this is not null, and I can continue on processing uh, without having to worry about a null pointer exception. Uh, or if that's not the case, if it should never be null, well then at that point you kind of have to reevaluate your kind of your system as a whole. Is it the input that's gonna be null? Is it something coming from an API that's null? What if it's that case? You know, the API says, hey, this could return null, but the app always expects it. it's gonna be there. Well, at that point, you kind of have some cognitive dissonance between the API and the client application because the client is expecting it to not be null, but the API is sending it null. So how do you kind of deal with these situations? Well, of course, there's different, different ways you can deal with it is, if you have control of the API, you ensure that it doesn't come back null. Um, you know, there's ways to do that on the API, whatever your system is for API, if it's Java, Kotlin, Node, Go, or whatever, uh, you can implement that there. However, if you don't own the API, well then you have to have some type of contingency behind the scenes to make sure that inside of your application, that if this is null, um, we'll then go ahead and default maybe to an empty string or we'll default to some other type of value. So these are things that you can kind of turn your nullable types into non-nullable types. Um, and what this ultimately allows you to do is avoid any of the null pointer exceptions in your code. Now, there are a number of articles out there that are written on Medium and various blogs that, you know, 
sometimes people avoid the non-null assertion operator far too often, and that becomes a code smell of its own. I don't agree with those. Um, the reason why is um, the only time I would ever find a non-null assertion operator to be used in production code is if for some reason, uh, excuse me, not even production code, inside of my app would be inside of the test code. If I've set up test data that I know that is going to be there for a test scenario, I will then use the non-null assertion operator here because I've set the data up. I know it's not going to be null at that point. If it does fail, well then my test fails and I need to investigate why my test failed. So that's the only time I consider the non-null assertion operator to be very useful. Now there's other lint checks and tools out there that can kind of run this analysis on there for you. So if you attempt to push this up to your CI server and this runs as a great old, you know, a check, you can say, hey, if it fails this lint check, well then I want you to go ahead and uh, basically, if you find something that's using the non-null assertion operator at that point, go ahead and fail the build. Um, I've seen this used with success on various different teams. I don't know how they recommend it. Now, there are instances where you might have like a, you know, someone might reply to this and say, well, Don, what if I have a list of data and this data has some, you know, sometimes it can be null, sometimes it's not null. And for whatever reason, I just need to be able to make sure I get the the not null items out of there. I mean, don't I kind of have to either cast it as not null or check to see if it's not null through a loop? Do I have to rebuild the list? Well, no, you don't. There's a lot of standard functions inside of the Kotlin library, such as in the collections class, there is a method called map not null. So let's say you have a list of nullable customers. And for whatever reason, these customers can be null. What you can do is you can say, list, whatever you say, customer list dot map, not null. And then you could perhaps pass in the values of, you know, the, the customers that you're, you're looking for, uh, that are not null. And what this basically this operator does, and I'm not explaining it that well, is it will then return all of the items that are not null in that list. Uh, so let's say you had a, a list of orders uh, or a list of customers and you wanted to retrieve all the orders and it could be a nullable list of orders and so forth. You can map that into its own list and only get the ones that are not null out of there using map not null, which basically would take a nullable type and then return you back a non-nullable type that you could work with, meaning that you don't have to use the non-null assertion operator. So that's one way to avoid it. Now, another way to avoid having to use the non-null assertion operator is to use the Elvis operator, and that's the colon question mark operator. So let's say, for example, you have, again, a nullable string. You don't expect that the customer's first name is ever going to be null. And so what you could do uh, is you could use the, you know, the Elvis operator say, hey, if this is, you know, if this is null, um, then if it's not null, go ahead and use a value. Otherwise, if it's null, I want you to perhaps throw a illegal argument exception. Now, of course, this is a runtime exception. This is going to crash your app. Uh, so that, you know, encounters a different problem. Hopefully you catch this in QA and testing. Um, now every team doesn't agree with that. Some teams I've worked on will just default to crashing because it's an exceptional case. We don't expect that data to be missing. If it is, the app needs to crash. It shouldn't be missing. Uh, that means we have a problem upstream that we need to resolve. Um, there's other, you know, schools of thought that say that you should be defensively coding to ensure that if you do have a null, that you have some type of backup. Perhaps you do that instead of throwing in a legal argument exception, uh, you return a an empty string or you return a default value that you expect that you can work with at that point in time. Now, these are all good ways to avoid having to use the non-null assertion operator because, again, all that 
all Kotlin is really doing for you. It's it's not preventing you from making or uh, obtaining null pointer exceptions. It's making you think about them and how should you handle them because the compiler is not going to compile. It's going to say, hey, Don, this is this is nullable. You're trying to access a property on this nullable type and we're not going to allow you to do that until you tell us what you would like to do with it. Of course, if you use the non-null assertion operator, you're saying, Kotlin, don't worry about it. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. Like, just trust me on this one, man. I got you. And it says, hey, you're the boss. And uh, if things blow up, they blow up and it's your fault, not ours. Um, so that's what I'm trying to tell you here. Just try to avoid that. Anytime you're using the, you know, the, the double bang operator, the non-null assertion operator, they're all the same thing. Two exclamation points inside of your Kotlin code. Rethink it like, how can I do this? Can I use the Elvis operator here? Is there a way for me to, if it's a list, can I map to a not null? So using map not null. Is there a way that I can get some type of value as a default here so I don't have to use this non-null assertion operator? And that's what I'd like to leave with you, leave with you today. Anytime you find yourself using that operator, two exclamation points in a row, stop and think about it. Is there a way that I can avoid using this? Now, the only caveat I'll leave you with is if it's in test code, I find it okay because I'm setting up my test environment as the way I would like to use it. Uh, and the data is the way I expect it to be. So I know that it's not going to be null. So again, just to recap, if you find yourself using the non-null assertion operator, again, that's two exclamation points in a row, stop, evaluate it, and think about, is there a way that I can remove this and kind of code with some more Kotlin idiomatic syntax, maybe using an Elvis operator, a default value, maybe throwing an illegal argument exception, maybe mapping, etc. Stop, think about it, and let me know what you think. Thanks for listening. Before we get going here, I want to say one quick thing about our sponsor, BitRise. With BitRise, you can build and operate better apps faster. We mentioned a couple of things at the beginning of the episode, and I'll just quickly cover them here. You can have effortless code signing. Upload your key store, get your application signed. You can run unlimited UI tests for free with Firebase Test Lab's virtual device testing solution that's integrated in. You can take those tests and along with your unit test reports, view all the results on one page, which makes it super convenient and easy to analyze your application. And of course, there's an insane number of integrations where you can integrate BitRise with any of the tools you use in your current workflow. If BitRise is something you're interested in, please go to go.bitrise.io slash fragmented. Again, that's go.bitrise.io slash fragmented. Thanks, BitRise. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Falker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.